0: everybody welcome back inside the mid-american bandwagon podcast episode 94 coming to you this week uh, a lot going on this week nfl draft happening we got the uh, baseball in full swing got a couple of uh, spring games to report back on too so a lot to get to here tonight i uh, hope you guys are all doing well vansy my man how are you sir
1: oh i'm doing pretty good um you know, here in southeastern Michigan, I have my Michigan Wolverines Big Ten Championship hat on. Uh, in case you want to get a good look at it, I don't think you've had one of these in the uh, State College area for some time. Oh, man. But um, happy NFL Draft Day uh, to everyone who celebrates. I know this will come out, uh, you know, a day late. But uh, Mac watch tonight. You know, I've seen the mock drafts. We got two guys who may be, you know, first round guys from the Mac. So we couldn't get a two bid Mac for basketball, but we might get a two bid Mac for, uh, you know, the first round. Who knows?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I so I got to ask you, Van. First of all, let me say I, I will forgive. Uh, I will forgive the shot on uh, on, on on Penn State uh, because uh, I don't know we don't we don't have too much to talk. Coming off a seven and six season, uh, not not too much to talk about. But but uh, I'm curious, uh, your Lions number two overall. What do you what do you want the Lions to do? Aiden Hutchinson.
1: Yeah, I mean you know if the Jaguars are going to take this defensive end from Georgia, um, who's all potential and in little production. Give me the guy just down the road in uh, Plymouth, you know, local guy, University of Michigan. Give me Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I got I got a weird feeling, though. I just I don't know what the Lions are up to. I mean, it could be it could go either way. I just that's the one sports team I just don't trust. I, I have no they anything they do will be wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I. I... I mean, I think they've, they've earned that skepticism from you. Right. And yeah, but I mean, the the Hutchinson thing, man, it just, it just seems too perfect. Doesn't it? I mean, coming off a monster year, hometown guy, just down the road in Michigan, it seems, seems like it makes too much sense. And I can just see it coming that the Lions are going to mess that up somehow. I guess we'll have to wait and see it.
1: I, I keep hearing Sauce Gardner, Malik Willis, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. no, just keep it keep it simple. Now, if the Jaguars mess up and and take Aiden Hutchinson number one, I will hate them forever.
0: I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I want him at number two.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, but anyway, so when it comes to the draft, folks, we're going to have uh, – we'll have James is going to join us next week. We're going to do a little bit of a recap of the draft, talk about uh, all the MAC players that got drafted, where they got drafted. Uh, we'll also, by this point next week, we'll have some, you know, undrafted free agent contracts and stuff like that to talk about. So we'll give you a full breakdown of the draft next week. Uh, but let's kick off the show here tonight with uh, Vanzi. It's been a few weeks since we talked baseball. And uh, there's, you know, as much as things change, they often – Tend to stay the same. And they will start with that top of the conference here, Vansy. I think I believe the last time we we talked baseball was three weeks ago now, and in those three weeks, Central Michigan has not lost. The Chippewas now seventeen wins in a row, twenty seven and ten overall, twenty one and one in the conference. So I'd say that's that's one big story here over the last couple of weeks. Another uh, big story from this past weekend, though, Vansy. Wanted to start with this. Um, Rich Maloney, the, 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 ball state, uh, baseball coach in his second stint with the Cardinals, uh, his 900th win he got over the weekend, uh, with the Cardinals sweeping four games from Northern Illinois. Banzi, this is a guy who has had a lot of success in both of his stints at ball state, had some good years at Michigan as well with the Wolverines, 900 wins. That's no small achievement.
1: Yeah, and actually, uh, you know, the, the Rich Marloni there, one of the things that's cool about him is he had recruited two players from my local uh, high school, like where I grew up, uh, played high school ball with. And, uh, you know, so kind of had a great image into uh, his tenure at Michigan. i um, an excellent, excellent coach. And you kind of alluded to it, though. He was at Ball State. Uh, coached a team, had Brian Burlington, a name as a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, you may remember, he was the number one overall pick.
0: I'll never forget Uh, him, yeah.
1: Yeah, just never, never panned out, easily forgettable, no offense to him or Ball State, Um, but, uh, you know, it just never panned out, and then Maloney goes on to the University of Michigan, and he's fired from Michigan after several seasons. People forget that he took Michigan to some super regionals, yeah, you know, he did a great job at Michigan. They went up against the, the Pedro Alvarez, the David Price, um, Vanderbilt teams. Otherwise, they probably would have went to a college world series before the Eric Bakich tenure. And then when he went back to Ball State, it just made too much sense. You know, he knew the culture, he knew the area, he knew the, everything about that program. It was a slam dunk him going back, uh, Ball State. Outside of Central Michigan, right now is routinely, routinely probably one of the top MAC programs. They routinely produce some of the best pro prospects from the conference. They should have been in the NCAA tournament last year, um, and they 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 might make it this year. Don't get me started on two bid MAC again, but you know they're they're going to be in that picture. Great for him, great coach. Um, just didn't work out at Michigan, but boy, does it work out at Ball State for him.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know, you look at his year by year at Michigan and I mean, yeah, the the last couple years they they there was a little bit of a backslide for sure, 2011 and 2012. But I mean, 2005 through 2009, four straight NCAA tournament appearances. They made it to the super regional round in 2007. And then the year after that, Vansy, they went 46 and 14, 26 and five in the big 10, made it to the NCAA tournament again that year. Now, again, you're, yeah, the, the last two years there at Michigan, seven and 16 and eight and 16 in the big 10. So I, I can understand it. It seems like there was a little bit of a backslide there, but that's not to say that he didn't have some good years there with the Wolverines and, you look at Ball State, you know, this year specifically, the Cardinals, Vanzi, 25 and 14 overall, 19 and four in the MAC. Uh, I mean, widely, I don't think there's much debate. I mean, they are clearly the second best team in the conference right now behind Central Michigan. And they have a chance to prove themselves as perhaps the best team in the conference this weekend as the Chippewas uh, visit Muncie to take on the Cardinals for four games. We'll talk about that series a little bit more here in a couple minutes. Uh, but let's take a look at the, the res- results from this past weekend here your Bansy. Uh, last time we talked baseball uh, Eastern Michigan was in third place and y- you were feeling really optimistic about the Eagles they had an opportunity this weekend unfortunately it got outclassed a little bit by Toledo Toledo sweep four uh, from EMU uh, Central Michigan takes four straight from Akron as part of their 17 game winning streak Bowling Green takes three of four from Western Michigan. Uh, I mentioned a couple minutes ago, Ball State sweeps four from Northern Illinois. Uh, Kent and Miami with really the only competitive series of the weekend. They, uh, the, the Golden Flashes and the Red Hawks split four games. Ohio was the uh, the lone non-conference team this weekend. They took on Canisius and uh, swept, the, swept the Golden Griffins. Uh, only two games in that series, but Ohio did win them both. So Vanzi, let's start with uh, with Toledo, Eastern Michigan, obviously, uh, a little bit of a disappointing result for the Eagles this weekend uh what do you what do you think happened there? What was the breakdown? How do you feel about Eastern Michigan moving forward?
1: Well, you know what? I went all in and i uh, I was a big believer at Eastern Michigan baseball, and then uh, Ohio came to town after the last time we talked and won two out of three, and now Toledo swept them and Toledo was someone that I was high on early on in the season. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'll never cash in my EMU gear for Toledo gear, but I think I that I won't say this often as some of my ex-girlfriends, but I think I was wrong. I think <laughs> Toledo is now clearly the third best Mac team. Um, I think Ohio uh, has got a got a shot at that title as well. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, I think Eastred had a chance. Um, they definitely, uh, did not look the part, um, couple of bad losses there to Toledo, which is really disappointing. Um, you know, Miami and Kent, they're kind of right there in the middle of the pack. I think that those are, uh, are two teams that kind of sum up the middle of the conference. Um, you know, but, uh right now you're starting to get that picture and you're starting to see the hierarchy, central ball state. Then you got Toledo, you got Ohio, and then probably, you know, another step. And then you got Kent state, Miami, Western Eastern, and then another step and you got Bowling green, um, you know, and then everybody else.
0: Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. It does seem like Toledo has kind of claimed that third spot. There's not to me yet. I mean, there's, there's not a ton, to distinguish teams in place, you know, four, four through four through eight are pretty similar to me, uh, which I, so, you know, so I, I think we, we, we agree pretty much there. Um, so, I mean, let's take a look at Vansy, some incredible, um, in, in individual performances this past week, uh, on, you know, on the, on the offensive side of the ball, drew, uh, Legner from, from central Michigan, the outfielder six, 11 over the weekend, 11 hits, 10 RBIs, a pair of three hit games uh, for the, uh, the the sophomore outfielder for central Michigan. And I mean, Vansy, you look at every week. I mean, you're just getting incredible individual performances from the Chippewas. It seems like.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe we got to reach out to somebody at the Mac, but it almost seems like they must have a, you know, you can't give it to the same guy twice Yeah, Yeah, because this is this, you'd never see the same player, our pitcher get the award twice and i think that just you know there's great parody as far as some of the top players um obviously this week you know you have a pitcher of the week from central you have the hitter of the week from uh you know central they're the best team in a in, in a conference it's not surprising um lechner uh had a had a great week i mean you know what 677 on base percentage uh two strikeouts and 21 plate appearances you know that's a great offensive uh, output for him
0: yeah, absolutely is. It absolutely is. So let's uh Vansy, let's take a look at some of the games ahead this weekend. Got Ohio traveling to Miami, two of those teams kind of stuck there in the middle of the pack. Kent State and and Akron, the battle of the wagon wheel uh takes you know it takes place on the diamond this weekend. They get the game the, the series this weekend, excuse me, in Akron. The series of the weekend, we'll talk about more here in a minute. Central Michigan travels to Ball State uh in Muncie. Huge matchup there between the top two teams in the conference. Northern Illinois are going to travel to Kalamazoo to take on Western Michigan. Bowling Green and Eastern Michigan will play four games in Ypsilanti. And uh, Toledo, the the non conference team this weekend, they take on Austin P. The Governors traveling up to uh, Northwest Ohio to take on the Rockets. But Vansy, let's uh, just for a quick minute here, series of the weekend, perhaps the series of the season so far in the MAC. Maybe I don't even think that's perhaps. I think you could say that and i don't think anyone would disagree with that central michigan traveling to muncie to take on rich maloney and his ball state cardinals Central Michigan first in runs in the conference. Ball State tied for second. Central Michigan first in ERA for their pitching staff in the conference. Ball State in second. And so, I mean, Vansy, you look at most of the metrics that matter. These two teams are the top two teams in the conference. They're the two teams that uh, have have clearly kind of separated themselves. What are you looking for in this series this weekend? What do you think is going to be the difference maker?
1: Well, I, I think Central Michigan's pitching is just too strong. I think their depth is just too strong. I think uh, you know, they you know, ball state is is a very formidable full, but I think central Michigan has won 20 straight games uh in the Mac for a reason. And and let me ask you this if if not ball state, if ball state does not beat Central Michigan at some point this weekend, does Central Michigan run the tables in the Mac?
0: I think so. I think so. I mean, it's obviously, you know, there, there's what there's what we got three weeks left after this weekend. So you got three series left. So, I mean, that's that's 12 games. Um, I, I know it's it's hard to be perfect for that long of a stretch after. I mean, they've already won 17 in a row. So you figure if they won four this weekend, that gets them to 21, 25. I mean, you're looking at a 30 plus game win streak. That's hard to do. But I think they could do it. I mean, they, they're clearly the best team in the conference right now.
1: Yeah, I I think, uh, so I think Ball State, I mean, you know, it's going to be tough, uh, you know, for any team to beat Ball State multiple times. So I think that's something that we're going to have to watch. I think it's going to be great intrigue to see if Ball State can knock off, you know, Central Michigan's perfect season. And, uh, you know, really, I I think for either one of these teams, obviously, Central Michigan's got to be feeling the pressure of that win streak. They want to keep the win streak going. They want a perfect max season. But if you're Ball State... I think, you, you know, you win one game, yeah, that's a success. But I think if you can win the series, you know, if you can get multiple wins out of the series, then I think you consider uh, that to be a success. And also, I, I want to, if you're a Mac baseball fan, get on ESPN3. Um, you know, I, I I believe these games should be on there. If they're not, I know Ball State puts their home games. I don't think they have commentary, but they have video feed. You know, check these games out. These these will be competitive, uh, very exciting uh, Mac baseball games.
0: I totally agree. It's going to be high level college baseball this series this weekend. And, you know, Vanzi, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, as, as, as much as I respect ball state and they're having a great season, I just think, man, man central Michigan just has so much firepower on offense. Uh, You know, when you talk about their pitching staff and, and, and deservedly so, I mean, they have a great pitching staff, but I mean, you look at some of these offensive numbers, I mean, central Michigan has, has three of the top five, hitters in the conference in terms of batting average. You got Drew Lechner leading the conference. At, he's hitting 406, Vansy. Then you got Mario Camilletti in second at 391. You got Aiden Spartz in, uh, in fifth at 374. I mean, you got, you got three guys on this team hitting over 370. Another in Danny Westenfeld hitting 347. I mean, this team just s- consistently... Just, I mean, you look at their, you know, their, 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 uh, their last couple of weeks here of results. I mean, 16 runs, eight runs, 11 runs, 23 runs, three straight games, a nine, another 18, 8, 12, 11. I mean, this team just puts up runs on runs on runs. And I just don't know that Ball State has the firepower to match that
1: their last game out where i believe they what it was uh four runs or let's see here let me go to it real quick oh, a okay. game before last yeah yeah two games before they they won 4 to 2 that the last time that they didn't score five runs or, or the last time they scored less than five runs or five or fewer runs yeah. was
0: april april 3rd april 3rd so from april 3rd until, until April 23rd, they didn't score less than five runs. I mean, that's, that's 10 plus games folks that they went uh, scoring five plus runs. So just gives you a little bit of the idea of uh, the firepower that the Chippewas are working with. I tell you what, if, if, if they do run the table and win the Mac tournament, go to the NCAA tournament, uh, that, that whatever regional they're in, uh, they're, they're going to give whoever they play a run for their money. I'm really curious to see how that would play out.
1: Do I sense a NCAA baseball tournament bracket challenge coming up? Uh, you know, so, you know, we can, yeah,
0: I we am. Can. Yes. That is a great idea. I'm on board for that. hundred Te- percent
1: tease people with a hundred thousand dollars again. Yeah. Yeah. I, learned I don't know lesson if I got that, that in me. I, I don't know if I can take, you know, all that. again. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. We learned our lesson last time around, but uh, so anyway, folks, that's certainly the, the series of the weekend here uh, in the Mac. And uh, we'll we'll, uh, break that series down for you uh, next week, along with all the other results uh, as we jump back into baseball here. Vansy, let's shift our focus to football. Um, We have a couple football uh, segments here tonight. To close out the show, uh, we're joined by uh, Colin Murphy, who – is the uh, sports editor for the Western Herald, which is the Western Michigan uh, student newspaper. So talk to him a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the, the looking back at the Broncos spring season, uh, the outlook for the coming year, talk about some of the, the major losses and how they're going to replace those guys. But before we get to that, Vansy, uh, two weeks ago, you... Uh, we're on the ground there in Ypsilanti for the Eastern Michigan spring football team, uh, spring football game. The green team beat the white team 10 to seven. Uh, so let's, let's just, um let's just start general, general thoughts here, Vanzi. What were you hoping to see in this spring game? Were your expectations met? Uh, what encouraged you? What, what was a, a little bit, uh, what was a little bit uh, concerning?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think, uh <laughs> You know, the, the, I would love to give you some breaking analysis and I just, I think it's going to be hard to do because it was such a cold, rainy and windy day. You couldn't judge the quarterbacks, um, you know, and I'm trying to observe what was going on in the field. And I was just trying to, you know, stay warm, you know, and dry. It was a miserable weather condition. Um, you know, th- any of those recruits who commit, the recruiting staff put in a lot of work. Uh, any of those recruits who commit, they're going to be fine playing in November on a Tuesday night in the MAC <laughs> because that was what the weather felt like. Um, but, you know, I think what jumped out at me was, you know, you're down on the sidelines and some of these, you know, extra COVID years. Um, and, and things like that, you know, okay, you, you're a little surprised by some people who are there. And, and I, don't, I don't think I'd really necessarily realize just how much Eastern Michigan's returning, you know, until we're there. You know, uh, you look at the wide receivers, you got Canoe, you got Dylan Drummond, you got Hassan dude. Then you look at the offensive line, you got guys like City Sow, who's looking like an NFL guy coming in the last season. Uh, Jake Donnelly, and he's coming back, you know, from an injury. Um, you know so they have a lot of guys coming back that you didn't necessarily realize um, you know a lot of talent a lot of production um, you know again it was hard to read too much into the passing um, Taylor Powell the Troy State transfer actually I think they're just Troy now since uh, you know the Marcus Ware way back when but the, the Troy transfer um, you know he brought a lot of energy. You know, he seemed to, you know, his teammates seemed to like him. He seemed to care very much about what was going out on the field. Um, he threw some big balls, you know, he overshot Badoon once, which is hard to do. Um, but I think he's more of a intermediate pastor. Um, you know, Austin Smith looks like he's probably the number two guy. They played about equal snaps. Um, Chris Comiskey. He actually threw the, uh, the, the first touchdown of the spring game uh, to, to canoe, um, you know so there was some some highlights uh, oh and then uh, Cam McCoy this is a young man who was uh, at the who was also on the baseball roster but he was also at the University of Cincinnati he reminds me a lot of Reginald Ball uh, Reggie Ball the former quarterback at EMU and also Jarius Grissom kind of that uh, you know um, uh, kind of a wildcat slash quarterback uh, very mobile um, I, he just, he looked tremendously quick, tremendously elusive, um, you know, and, uh, you know, Bryson Moss, the running back, um, had some nice cuts. Um, Darius Boone is back. He had some nice runs. Um, actually one of the things that didn't come from the spring game, which is interesting is that, uh, Eastern Michigan has landed a, uh, transfer portal running back, uh, Jalen Jackson, um, from Lamar. Okay. And, uh, what's interesting about him is he's 5'7", 167. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, in, in Ford, the spring game, they also landed a defensive line recruit, um, you know, from Arkansas State. So, you know, a big body, they'll fit in at the defensive tackle position. So we're seeing a lot of that. Uh, they're still overturning that roster. They're still getting in some depth pieces. And right now, I mean, a lot of the locals are kind of concerned because you got some players transferring out of EMU. You're going to see that a lot throughout college football right now because the deadline is coming up where players need to transfer to be eligible for the fall. Players are coming out of the spring game. They may not be where they want to be on the depth chart. They're also seeing, you know, hey, maybe if I go through spring ball, I can move up the depth chart. If that didn't happen, a lot of these people are looking to transfer out. doesn't make them bad players or bad persons. They're just, you know, they – you only have four or five years to uh, play this game at a high level. So there's that. Um, yeah. Defensively, I, I'm, you know, defensively, defense looked good for EMU in the spring game, but I think that's because of the weather. Um, you know, Luke Cameron made some plays. Uh, Joe Sparacco, the linebacker from Boston College, I think he's going to be a good one. He looked good. Um, also the, um, the, you know, you didn't see Chase Klein, the linebacker out of, uh, Michigan state. So the transfer, so like, uh, he's a guy that I'm excited to see, um, that defensive unit probably more so than the offensive unit was pretty banged up. So EMU coming into the summer, um, is going to need that, that period to kind of get healthy. And, uh, they got a uh, Brady Paul, the transfer kicker from Oklahoma state coming in. Well, Jesus Gomez, uh, he connected, I believe, it was 53 yards in the rain and the wind on a field goal. So, you know, I wouldn't write him off for the chance. But um, really, the the big thing, the big thing to take away from it, EMU football was at a great place. There's a lot of uh, is at a great place. There's a lot of former players who were back. Uh, You know, they were you know doing the rounds. Uh, Thomas Odecoye, he was doing a lot to kind of talk to some of the current recruits. Uh, It was a big recruiting time. I was walking into the stadium. And lo and behold, I run into uh, the legendary Michigan coach, Lloyd Carr.
0: Yeah, I saw that picture.
1: Yeah, and, you know, just a tremendous man. He only tolerates green and white when it's Eastern because he used to coach there. So don't try to get any of that Spartan green and white by him. Because (laughs) he he was not going to let me get a picture with him if my green and white was Spartan green and white. So, um, you know, that was interesting. They also did a yard sale of like Adidas apparel and gear. Um, helmets. It was, it was very cool. And there was a lot of, you know, a lot of love, a lot of people who came out in the weather, uh, which you wouldn't have nece- you know, necessarily seen um, elsewhere, uh, you know, before the Chris Creighton era, you know, this was kind of a, a spring game where in this weather, you'd probably would have got 10 people, you know, a decade ago. And now, now you had all these people who are sticking it out through the poor weather.
0: Yeah. You do love to see that. And man, it's, it's so wild to me. Like, uh, like I remember after EMU's bowl game this, this past season against Liberty, I remember seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter, a lot of negativity about Chris Creighton. And I just, I can't understand that because you're exactly right. I mean, I think the, the program right now compared to where it was, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I mean, I grew up, you know, loving college football, watching all kinds of college football. I remember the Ron English era and, and, and man, I can't even remember the coach before him, but I mean, Eastern Michigan was winning what two games a year, three games a year. And now you look at, you know, what Chris Creighton has done, where the expectation is, is a bowl game. And, and it's, those are that's a reasonable expectation based on the results from these last couple of years. I love to hear that about the recruits though, and, and, you know, former players coming back I feel like that's that's how you like that's that's creating a culture or I guess, you know, established, you know, that culture has been established, right, where that the, the program kind of recruits itself in the sense of having those former players come back to talk to recruits. Yeah,
1: I think so. And, and you know, it, it helps uh, when your program, you can sit there and you could say, hey, you know, you're a defensive end from Grand Blank, Michigan well, hey, why don't you come here and be the next Max Crosby? Hey, you're an offensive tackle from so-and-so. Hey, why don't you come here and be the next TJ Lang? Yeah. You know, so the program's at a good spot where they can kind of run out some some big hitters like that and, and just kind of, you know, name drop recruiting-wise. And, and I think that does help, um, you know, and, and I get it. Everybody wants to see the program take the next step. If it was easy, every program would take that next step. And I just feel like, you know, and I I sent out tweets about this, and I feel like everyone always wants to, well, look at ESPN's preseason predictions or so-and-so's preseason predictions, EMU, they got them winning four games or however many. When has this program underachieved in the Chris Creighton era? You know, they take walk-ons like Canoe and and Bay Dune and and make them into uh, all-MAC level talent. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to take this staff. I'm going to take the, them developing the players in, in getting the most out of them um, over what some paper depth chart is telling uh, some of the national media. So I'm not going to write off EMU. I think they're going to, you know, they're, you know, they're going to be in the mix um, as much as m- most any other
0: team uh, coming up this fall. Yeah. Especially in that, that division so tightly contested. Uh, remember last year where I, almost every team had a chance going into the last couple of weeks, Vinzi, so I'm I'm not asking you to uh, give me like a prediction on like wins this season or anything like that. But as you look at the the Eagles' schedule and that, based on what you saw in the spring game and 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 knowing what you know, how closely you follow the roster, what's your outlook for this year? Like, do you think a bowl a, another bowl game, is a realistic expectation?
1: Oh yeah, I mean that. I mean, I wouldn't say you know. Yeah, I would say that that is, uh, like you said, that would be the expectation. Yeah. You yeah. know. And, uh, you know, six, seven wins, I feel like that now is the expectation at EMU. Anything less would be a disappointment. Um, And, you know, I I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth or anything like that. But also, I think, you know, there's a big difference between, hey, we won six or seven games and we lost to Central or we lost to Western. So, you know, I think you're also kind of looking, hey, let's, let's get that sixth, seventh win but also beat the in-state rivals Eastern's taking care of Western here of late. Um, But, but, you know, it'd be nice to see them maybe, you know, get some hardware because for Mac schools, other than really the Mac championship, you don't really get that opportunity for hardware. Well, here in the state of Michigan, you got the Michigan Mac trophy, you know it would be nice to see them bring that back and put it in that new beautiful you know student athlete performance center in the end zone and uh you know that that's something that uh you know my e m u heart is beating for this fall,
0: sure, sure, and it feels like the Eagles get a little bit closer to that every year, which uh would have been unthinkable ten years ago as as we were just saying a few minutes ago um awesome well fancy a nice, uh, a nice very detailed report on the state of the eagles uh post spring practice. Still got a couple months here before summer, uh, you know, summer and fall camp starts. So um, we're going to have some some more uh, spring football kind of look backs or, you know, state of the program interviews coming up here over the next couple of weeks. The first one here uh, to close out the show tonight, uh, we're joined by Colin Murphy, as I mentioned a couple minutes ago, who is the uh, the, the sports editor for the Western Herald, which is the, the Western Michigan uh, student paper. So stick around after this break. Uh, we'll bring Colin in, uh, talk a little bit about the Broncos, the state of their program as, as they look towards the summer and uh, he he did a great job gave gave us some great information on uh, some players to watch and all that good stuff so we'll be right back with uh, with Colin on the other side of this commercial break
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast, lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app
0: All right, folks, welcome back to the show. This next segment here, we got a special guest joining us. We are joined now by Colin Murphy, the sports editor for the Western Herald, which is the Western Michigan uh, student paper there on campus in Kalamazoo. Colin, joining us this evening to uh, talk a little bit of uh, Broncos football, a little look back at the spring, uh, see how things are going on the ground there in Kalamazoo as the Broncos progress towards the 2022 season. Colin, thanks so much for joining us tonight, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, um, so again, wanted to talk a little bit of uh, Broncos football post spring practice. Now I know Western Michigan uh, had had their spring game a little bit earlier than some teams. I know they had theirs, you know, before, before the calendar even turned to April, but I wanted to take a a quick look back from, from someone on the ground such as yourself. Um, Obviously going into this coming season, you got a lot of firepower that has departed from last year's offense. Caleb Ellaby, Sky, more notably, both going uh, into the draft to lose some folks along the O line as well. But let's let's start with the quarterback position because Caleb Ellaby obviously was the, the the engine that made everything go for the Broncos these last couple of seasons. Led the MAC in passing yards in that last season, almost thirty three hundred yards. First team, All MAC. 23 touchdowns, only six interceptions. So post-spring practice, as we're looking forward to the 2023 season, uh, what, what's the, what was the competition like between the quarterbacks in the spring practice, and who do you see as having the inside track moving into fall camp?
2: Yeah, uh, primarily um, the guys that had the best shot at it were definitely uh, a couple of redshirt freshmen, Jack Salopec, uh and Marianne Urbowski. Um, They both saw a little bit of action last year. Um, Robowski used mostly as a runner uh and then Salopec came in uh in one game when LB got a little banged up had to come out for a few plays um they put in Salopec and I I think he completed like three consecutive passes and then LB came back on the field um so i i don't think it looks like uh sorry you mentioned uh <laughs> looking at who's got the inside track to to start i think that's Salopec right now he was taking most of the of the reps with the first team offense um and you know, I mean, he's, he's a redshirt freshman, right? Uh, and he's not Caleb Ellaby. Uh, he's, I, I think that Western fans should expect a, a step back from the quarterback position, uh, but that Jack Salopec, you know, might be, um, you know, might be the quarterback to lead them, you know, back into success in a few years. But, but this year, I think, is going to be a lot of development uh, of young players, uh, especially at the quarterback position
0: sure sure and it's it's interesting to hear you say that because i you know, you think having watched a lot of Western Michigan games this past year, it did seem like Hrabowski was like firmly entrenched there as the number two on the depth chart where he'd come in in some, you know, running situations and stuff like that. They never let, he, let him really use his arm much. It was mo- mostly just like, as you mentioned, you know, kind of some, you know, ground game situations. Do you foresee a scenario or do you think it's possible? Do you think Tim Lester maybe entertains some type of two quarterback system where Herbowski comes in and some specific run packages and stuff like that and Salopec? is taking the majority of the snaps or do you feel like they'll probably pick one guy and stick with him?
2: Um I mean I think we'll I do think we'll see Rabowski used again. Um I think this year though it's gonna catch teams uh it, it's not gonna catch teams off guard as much. Yeah. I think last year, you know nobody knew that Western had those those run packages for Rabowski. Uh, and this year I think for that to still be successful, they're gonna have to let Rabowski throw uh, at least a little bit. Um, so that when he comes on the field, defenses don't just instantly know that they're preventing the run. I think that's part of why they brought in Jeff Thorne. He's had so much success with quarterbacks, uh, obviously at the Division three level, uh, and with the hope that he can, you know, keep developing quarterbacks even, <laughs> even at a school, you know, with a former quarterback as its head coach and Tim Lester. Um, I think clearly Western's trying to commit as much attention to that quarterback position as they can to really get. Salek and Nibowski both ready to go um, and, and I feel like I, I feel like the team you know the way they used Rarowwski last year, uh, I think that the coaching staff probably views Zarowski as having a higher ceiling. Uh, it's just a matter of getting him to the point where he is comfortable staying in the pocket where he's comfortable using his arm more than his legs uh, and then he might
0: overtake Salopek but I don't see that happening this year. Yeah, certainly. Uh, now let's 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 talk about the the folks that these receivers are going to be throwing the ball to because obviously. Ellaby was a huge loss, but equally as as, uh, as impactful was Sky Moore on the outside. The you know second leading receiver in the Mac last year, just under thirteen hundred yards at ninety five catches on the season. I mean, this was a guy who really did everything for this offense. You got some other guys that are returning that are you know, there's some returning production there. You got guys like Corey Crooms and stuff like that. But generally speaking, what, what do you think about the wide receiver group and, and, and any young guys you see stepping into more prominent roles this year?
2: Yeah, that wide receiver position is definitely going to be uh, an interesting one to watch. Uh, Western Michigan has a, a lot of success uh, at that wide receiver position uh, historically and recently. Obviously, Corey Crooms made a big jump last year into really the number two receiver role uh, that most people assumed would be Jalen Hall. Uh, and Corey Crooms at times really looked uh, really looked better than Hall. Um, so I, I think Crooms certainly is ready to go and be that, that main option. Uh, but then young guys to watch, I think the, the two biggest ones, I think that will be, that'll be coming this year are Anthony Sambucci and, uh, uh, KV on Mac. While I think Henry Wilson Jr. Uh, might also see, uh, an increased role as well. I think those three certainly are going to see the field. Uh, I think Sambucci, he, Sambucci played the field, uh, a good amount on special teams this past year. Um, Lester has been very vocal uh, in the past about how much he likes to sort of put guys in on special teams when they're young to see how they respond and then move them into, uh, like their, their normal role at their position. So I think Sambucci definitely is someone that the coaching staff has their eyes on, um, to most likely be that number two target. Um, and then KV Mack and Henry Wilson, I think are going to be the main ones fighting for
0: that third receiver role. Cool. Now let's, let's, I I am a firm believer, um having grown up I don't know maybe this is a little bit of an old school mentality but I am a firm believer that if you have a good offensive line you're you're going to have a good team you're going to have a good offense right and I think Western Michigan has kind of embodied that here these last couple of years this is a team they love to establish the run uh these last couple of seasons average over 200 yards a game almost 5 yards a carry on the ground last year now Here, this year on the offensive line, you lose some starters. Uh, Mike Caliendo is gone. He was an all-Mac performer last year. It can sometimes, you know, with with a young quarterback, you got to have a good O-line in front of them also to be able to establish the run game. With a couple of departures on the offensive line, and again, notably their Caliendo, um, what do you think about the development of this this offensive line group, and how do you see them performing as we move into, into fall camp?
2: Yeah, again, I mean that's that's a position that uh, Western has had good recent success in, especially um, especially with the current coaching staff and current uh, offensive line coach Bill Kenny has done a really good job with that unit. Um, <clears throat> something that I do see as a as a potential concern um, is at center. Uh, in in 2020, we saw a new center and um, Caleb Ellaby was a new quarterback at that time. And Western had some issues on occasion with snaps uh, that led to some busted plays. Uh it really really came out in the ball state game the season finale in 2020 um when I think two different times the snap went over LAB's head uh and yeah. really had problems um for the created problems for the Broncos and um I think this year uh I know that last year Kyle Arnaldi was listed as the backup center uh but then um, someone who that they had playing at guard, Jacob, Gideon, uh, was also, also working on snapping, uh, at times in practice. Um, so I guess, I think that's going to be a matter of if they feel Kyle Arnaldi is ready for that, for that starting spot, he'll be at center, uh, and you know, they'll leave Gideon at guard. And if not, I think Gideon might be the starting center and, and we'll have to see how, how that goes. Um, certainly Dylan Dethridge uh, and Trevor Campbell, the seniors are turning, the offensive line are going to have big roles um, because they're going to be, they're going to be the anchors of that offensive line. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how the group comes together. I think that we'll learn a lot more about them in fall camp. Um, But it's just hard to tell how good an offensive line unit is going to be uh, before you've really seen them, you know, work together um,
0: a whole lot. Sure. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a very, uh, a very valid point. Um, so let's, let's, we talked a lot about the offense here, Colin, let's, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. This was a defense last year had some great moments and, you know, they really thrived on getting to the quarterback and, you know, creating pressure. So the team led the Mac in, 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 you know, yards allowed per game under 340 yards a game, uh, you know, tied for third in the Mac or second in the Mac, excuse me, with 35 sacks on the season. A couple of things I wanted to address though. Despite some of the, the good statistics, it did seem like there were times last year where, where the big play was an issue for this defense, where they gave up some big passes. So, so let's, let's start with, uh, with the secondary here. How do you feel about this secondary unit uh, going into the season? Um, and, you know, do you, do you feel like that's, gonna, that's kind of been a point of emphasis for them this offseason?
2: Yeah, I think certainly that, that secondary was uh, something that needed work um, that had been known well-known by the coaching staff. Uh, Tim Lester mentioned last year, uh, he mentioned that he was working a lot with the corners throughout spring and fall camp. Um, This year, I'm I'm not sure if he's still been doing that or if his focus has turned uh, more towards the offense, but obviously they brought in uh, a new coach um, for corners, Donald Sellers who was a former Bronco uh, himself. Um, I I think that there's certainly potential for improvement. I think Deshaun Bussell, uh, is someone who they were really excited about moving from wide receiver to corner last year. And then he got hurt early in the season um, and wasn't able to make it back onto the field. Um, I think his athleticism certainly is going to help. Um, and now that obviously he, he was hurt last year, didn't get you know the full chance to develop on that side as much as they would have liked, but with um, likely increased comfort on that side of the ball, uh, I think he could be a difference maker at corner. Uh, compared to
0: what that unit had last year certainly a name to to keep an eye on um, now the other the other unit here on the defensive uh, side of the ball that I wanted to touch on with you was that that defensive line which was so great last year we mentioned you know tied for second in the MAC, 35 sacks it seemed like Ralph Hawley and Ali Fayed just lived in opposing teams backfields all of last season obviously both of them are gone so that those are the you know that's a major um that's a major loss right there, that tandem on the defensive line, one of the best, if not the best in the Mac, uh last season. So what's uh, what's what's the feeling on the defensive line right now? Any young guys that you feel could, are ready to step into those roles, or is it going to kind of be replacement by numbers where they're going to do a little bit more of a rotation this year?
2: Yeah, I mean, Western has um, – they like to rotate their defensive linemen even last year when they did have those guys. Ralph Holly was on the field pretty much any play, um, but everyone else – did did still rotate a fair amount. Um certainly, I mean, Andre Carter already received a pretty good amount of playing time, but Marshawn Nealand uh, is another guy who's mm-hmm. gonna spend most of his time coming off the edge. Uh and I think could could step into that uh starting role. Um not necessarily replace Ali Fayad, but uh, but at least hold his spot down on the field. And and then Braden Fisk is the only is the only player I've really Seen play on the interior uh, on the current roster, uh, but they did bring in some some transfer players. Hosey uh, Haji, uh, Haji Badri, I believe, is how it's pronounced, um, is a player who is a grad student. He was, I believe, all Southern Conference last year, um, and so I think he'll he'll see a good amount of playing time um, on the interior as well, just as a veteran presence who's sort of not going to make mistakes. Um, while, while the other guys provide more of that sort of explosive pass, pass rush that Western's looking for.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on here with you, just in, in terms of the coaching staff, Colin, you know, there was a little bit of turnover there uh, in, in, in the offseason in Kalamazoo. You mentioned a, a couple minutes ago, Jeff Thorne being brought in as, as the new offensive coordinator. Um, have, ha, it, it, do you get the sense that, uh, you know, he's um, acclimated himself well to this roster? Do you, do you foresee any major changes on the, offside, on the offensive side of the ball? Or do you feel like um, he's going to work with Tim Lester and keep much of the same system in place that they had last year?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to I think it's going to be very similar. Uh, especially like you mentioned in the uh, run first approach, Uh, especially again, this year they have um, two veteran and really talented running backs in Ladarius Jefferson and Sean Tyler uh, and a little more unknowns at other spots on the offense. Um, And so I think they're going to really want to lean on those two uh, in their offense. Of course, Tyler also can be uh, a threat receiving out of the backfield, which helps. Um, But yeah, I, I don't foresee much Change. Um, I'm sure we'll see some new looks that Thorne will uh, will bring in, but I think for the most part the offense is going to look pretty
0: familiar to Western fans. Yeah, sure. This this uh, this question here. This is more of a, I guess a a big picture question, Colin. And, and for someone that's that's close to the program, that's on the ground there in Kalamazoo, I'm I'm curious from from your perspective what you think is the the general outlook or the feeling of, of the fan base right now in Kalamazoo. We're coming into year six of the Tim Lester era. And as someone who, you know, from afar, someone who covers the conference, who isn't, doesn't have any close ties to Western Michigan, it does seem like some Western Michigan fans, it does seem like there's a segment of the fan base that's a little bit frustrated that the, pro, that the feel as if the program has stagnated a little bit in these last five years, obviously you had that magical undefeated 2016 season. Uh Tim Lester, I mean, three bowls in five years really three bowls in four years if you take out the pandemic shortened season but again you know never better than five and three in the mac never better than you know eight wins which was last year generally speaking what what is your sense among the fan base among the student body as as the program heads into year six under Tim Lesser? do they feel like it's heading in, the, in a good direction uh,
2: there's I mean the fan base is definitely mixed um, there are people who um, who are sort of comfortable with the fact that the, that Lester has prevented, uh, any sort of bottoming out from the program, mm-hmm. um, and that Western Michigan football really has never had like long, uh, a long run of, of consistent success, um, in its history. They've, you know, they've had their ups and downs, um, but, but haven't really been, you know, Mac title contenders, uh, in, in most seasons, only three championships, uh, in a conference that they've been in for over 70 years, um, certainly doesn't speak to a whole lot of success but then you consider well where he took over from of pj fleck uh in that undefeated season in 2016 uh, and there's there's certainly been some frustration that um the team can't seem to get over the top um uh, in spite of having a ton of talent i mean they had the offensive and defensive player of the year uh player of the year in i think it was 2019 uh there's been a couple seasons in which they've uh defeated both teams that play in the Mac Championship but haven't been to the Mac Championship game themselves. Um yeah. so certainly it's there there's frustration among the fan base. Um in, in the fact that it seems the team has had the talent to compete for and possibly win the the conference championship for at least the last three years. Um if not the whole time that Lester's been here and hasn't hasn't actually been able to make it to that MAC championship game. Um but but you know on the on the flip side, there is also um, an understanding from from other fans that it's like, well, you know, we've stayed relevant, you know we've we've kept you know our the team above 500 consistently throughout his time here. So um certainly, I think there's mixed opinions in the fan base. Um, there was you know there were some people who were um, encouraged by the uh, contract extension that uh, that that Lester signed in January. And there were some, um, or I think either that was, I don't remember if it was December or January, but sure. uh, right after the season ended, yeah. you got that contract extension. And then, um, but you know, there are some people who are like, well, losing, you know, <laughs> the the season after you, you, you lose, uh, your star quarterback, a star receiver, you know, a bunch of keys on your defense. Do you not want to see how the next season plays out before giving that extension? Um, So certainly there's people all over the map. Um, But I I think most are comfortable with where the program's at uh, and just a little frustrated that they haven't been able to make it to a MAC championship game.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, if if the floor is going to be six or seven wins a year, I think there's a lot of programs out there that would take that, right? But, you know, the flip side of that is that you get a little taste of that success like Western had in 2016. And that, you know, that can be intoxicating Um, and it's, you know. To to I think to expect Tim Lester to have kept that up was probably a little bit unreasonable of expectations, but it's it's not easy to or it's it's not hard to see how fans could get a little bit frustrated, especially I mean you look at even the, just the results last year, you got that that great win over Pitt and a couple couple other nice wins, and then you have the you know follow that up with that that Ball State game, which was never I mean you're never really in that game. So um, anyway, Colin. That's uh, that, that'll that'll do it for me here. I, I really appreciate we really appreciate you stopping by here tonight and, and uh, giving us a little breakdown on where the Broncos sit uh, post uh, post spring uh, spring practice. Everyone, once again, he is Colin Murphy, the sports editor for the Western Herald, the the Western Michigan student newspaper. Colin, thanks. For, thanks so much for joining us tonight, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again for having me. All right, folks. So that's going to wrap it up for this week here on the bandwagon. Thank you to Colin Murphy for joining us and talking a little bit about uh, the Western Michigan Broncos football team. Uh, Vansy, any final thoughts here tonight? Any any wise words for the good of the people?
1: Well, I don't know if any of my words are ever that wise, but, uh, you know, I, I went out to an EMU baseball game the day of the spring game and were played Ohio. And uh, this big guy was on deck, big flowing locks, kind of looked like Kenny Powers. If you're a Mac baseball fan, look up the Ohio baseball roster and look up number 50, Cale Baker, C-A-E-L, and last name Baker. Um, He's six foot, 260, a grad student for Ohio baseball from Ole Miss. Uh, Eastern Michigan was up by a couple of runs and I'm like okay well this is a big guy but maybe he can't hit it that hard no he he hit it about 425 feet dead center field uh put Ohio up and uh you know just I mean his his picture I, I would show it but it's all audio here but his picture in the uh online roster is just uh you know it's it's glorious it's intimidating flowing locks so look up uh Kel baker ohio baseball
0: i just pulled up his uh his player page on the ohio website that you're right that picture is phenomenal that hair is phenomenal
1: <laughs> he he would fit in on my beer league softball
0: yeah <laughs> yeah oh man that's great what a, that's a great great way to end the show there fans well done you really brought it tonight uh, well, hey, folks, uh, that's going to wrap it up here for uh, episode 94 here on the bandwagon. Thank you, as always, uh, for stopping by this week. Thank you again to Colin Murphy for stopping by and uh, chatting with us. And uh, we'll be back next week, folks, with a little bit of a, a recap of the NFL draft. James will join us to break all that down. We look forward to talking to you then. Have a, have a great weekend, folks. Stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next week.